we honor the Lord. It's good to be here tonight. Amen. Any day above ground is a good day. And this is the day the Lord has made. And so we rejoice and we are exceedingly glad therein. Join me tonight in Exodus chapter 34. We've been looking at um, I Need More part. This is now part 13, I Need More. Interestingly enough, this is the movement of God before his servant Moses. And these are the words that God proclaims to him in Exodus 34. Drop down to verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sins and take us as your inheritance. I'm interested in this text this evening and really in the entire 34th chapter. I'm only gonna be able to deal with so much right now, but give me a moment to talk about it. If one recalls, as we've been studying, Moses has gone before God, he's asked God to show him his glory. And as we've been pointing out over the last weeks, how Moses says to God, I need more. I need something else to go on. Moses has been in before God, pleading with God on behalf of the people, pleading with God because the people had sinned against God. They had created a graven image against God. They had raised up an image that was unlike what God would have wanted for them. They were sinning. They were living a way in which God would have been and God was very angry. And Moses goes before God and he says, Lord, I need to know that you're really gonna be with me. I need to know that you're going to be present when I go out here now. I don't wanna go with this people if you're not going with us. And as Moses has cried out to God in his need, he says, Lord, if you're really there, show me your glory. And God gives him this promise. He tells him that I can't show you all that you wanna see but I'm going to show you what you can handle. So I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and when I pass by, I'm going to hold my hand over your face. When I've come past you, I'm going to let you see my hinder parts. But as the precursor to God doing that, God already does something that's interesting 
Because God gives Moses directions before he comes up to see the glory. Because see, before you come up to see my glory, I want you to bring me two tablets. Before you come up to have the audience with me, I want you to bring me two tablets like the ones you broke. Before you come up, I need you to bring me two more tablets. And I'm going to write on those tablets for you. Which establishes for me that God already knew what God was going to do. And that the promise that God had made to his ancestors was going to be fulfilled. So what's going on now has little to do with God fulfilling the promises that he made to the body and more to do with God's servant getting in a position to live out what God wanted him to be in the earth realm. Moses is praying, I need more, and God says, I need to get you ready. Moses is praying, God, I need more. I need a greater revelation. I need a deeper knowledge. I need a deeper truth. I need a greater walk. I need to be this place. God, I'm praying for this people. And God says, no, you ain't ready yet. Moses, get two more tablets. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, verses 1 through 4 gives it to you. He says, get the tablets. Verse 4 says he cut the two tablets of stone. And then Moses rose early in the morning and went to Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. He goes up carrying tablets that God's going to write on. And when he arrives, as God promises, God gives him this theophany, this experience of the divine in the earth realm. And when God does this, as God comes by him, God not only speaks God's name, but God speaks God's character to him. God says, I'm the Lord, the God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding. God says, in goodness and truth. God says, I am he. He says that to him. He speaks into his spirit, his character. This is interesting. Look at the complexity of the text for just a moment because it's interesting. Because when God moves by Moses and Moses sees God's glory and God speaks about God's character, watch what happens. Verse six says, and Moses came out of the cave he was in and he bowed down his head toward the earth and worshiped. Now I know you, you missed that. I, that, that. That went right over somebody's head. You think I'm being petty just looking at that part, but I'm not being petty. Because if you really read scripture closely enough, up to this point, you have Moses sitting in the seat of an intercessor. 
He's praying for deliverance. He's praying and making demands on God to yield water. He's asking God to bring them through the Reed Sea. He's asking God to bless this, take care of that, work this out. He's interceding on behalf of the people. It is at this moment after he has seen the glory of God that Moses worships. Y'all need to get this. This, this. this is deep right here. Y'all get this. I'm just going to mess somebody up. It's possible that you can be an interceder and not a worshiper. It's possible that you can pray for other folk to be delivered and not be a worshiper yourself. You can get so busy in ministry and not be ministered to. You could get so enthralled in what God has called you to do and laid on your heart that you forget to bow your head and worship. It is not until this experience that when he leaves there, there's a difference on his face. He needed to get down and worship. One of the problems with some of us right now, we good praisers. Moses was a praiser. He thanked God for what God had done. His sister let a tambourine dance down. They celebrated and danced after they crossed the Red Sea. The Bible says she took up her tambourine and they began to dance and praise God. Praise is not the same thing. Praise is not the same thing. Worship is when I allow a visceral response to the divine presence of a holy God. A visceral response. That means from the very bowels, from the very splink, now the internal of my inner being, I go and I worship him and I lay before him to be in his presence. Not just to be here to get my shout on, but to get my time with you. I want to worship you in the spirit. I want to worship you. I want to be close to you. I know I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be in the cave now, but, but, but I know who you are. So let me worship you now. Let me spend a moment in your presence. Let me get down on my knees. Let me put my face to the earth. Let me, let me bow down before you. And huh, I need to worship you. That, Paul Morton was right. There are times when you need to bow down and worship him. You need to bow down before him. Spend some time with him. Let it register on the altar of your heart, the very presence of God, so that you can understand the things of God, so that God's nature can be yours. I believe, I believe, at that moment, 
God was in the middle, the first thing I want you to get with me is God was in the middle of changing his character. Changing his character. Reverend, what do you mean changing his character? Moses, you, you can't represent me if all you see are stiff-necked people. You, you can't represent me if all you see are sinners. You can't represent me if your spirit is not forgiving. I know, I know they've messed up. I know they, I know these folks have, have messed up, but they didn't mess up on you, man. I know you feel like you failed as a leader because you've set things in order. You put your brother there. I gave your brother to be in ministry. You put him there. You put folks that should have been leading and they messed up. When you came down, everything was going haywire. But, but you need to know that I am a merciful God. I am a forgiving God. I am a compassionate God. I am a loving God. At the very core of God is love. I, um, the other day, a young man we talked about a few weeks ago who brushed up against that woman and when he brushed up against the young lady, she accused him of assaulting her. And we all came to discover through videotape evidence that he never touched her personally. His bag mistakenly went by her and brushed up against her. We all have to be grateful for videotape proof. Well, that child, 12 years old, could have been labeled a sexual predator for the rest of his life. And even if they had only given him probation for the rest of his life, he would have been on some list somewhere because she was calling the police. When it was over, when it was over, she came back and finally asked for his forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. Regardless of what you think about the woman, and I do believe it was a very racist act. I'm not saying she was a racist. Her act was racist. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. Tell that young man, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? His response was, I don't forgive you. Son, yeah, it was a bad place. You were in a bad situation. But that spirit of unforgiveness, that spirit of bitterness, that spirit that makes you repel, is a spirit that once it gets on you, you will find that it will grow. Because wherever there is a root of bitterness, there will be a harvest of hatred. Lest no one ever told you, hatred is a snake that does not have a master. Therefore, it doesn't just go after the object of its hatred. It goes after anyone and anything. And you cannot allow yourself to lose the love in you because of the hatred of others. Conversely, after Mother Emmanuel was shot up and we lost many lives there, 
The first thing some of those saints said was, we forgive you. It takes a real character change in order to forgive those things that would appear to be unforgivable. And one of the ways you can check yourself and your real relationship with God, you can check it out on your ability to forgive. I don't care what they did to you. Reverend, if you only knew. And, Reverend, if you just knew what they said about me. They were talking about me. They supposed to be my friend. They, they talking about me. I ain't got nothing to do with them. No, I ain't mad at them. I just ain't gonna have nothing to do with them ever again. Check yourself. Your character is revealed in your unforgiveness. Character is revealed. In truth, I need to learn that forgiveness is not something that God just requires one day. He demands it. I suppose that in truth, the true, the true test of, of that kind of God character is seen ultimately in Jesus. Jesus is forgiving them. Even as he's dying, he's forgiving them as he's dying. It's seen again in the deacon Stephen as he's forgiving them as they're stoning him to death. Because the real character of a person who has worshiped in front of God and has really seen the more and has gotten the glory of God in front of their face is that they have the spirit of God, which is the spirit of love, which causes them to forgive even those that do not ask for it. And let me say, and even those who you think don't deserve it. God is mercy, grace, goodness, forgiveness. I, I think um, uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the New King James Version, if you have it, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, in the New King James Version, Paul says, but we all, with unveiled face, you'll, you'll get this when we get down to Moses a little later on, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What does God's glory look like in you? When you look in the mirror, what does God's glory look like in you? Teach Watts, I'm trying. What does God's glory look like in you? The glory of the Lord that has transformed you should transform you into his image. And that image is that of long-suffering and forgiveness. It should make you a part of him. Paul, when he's praying for the church at Ephesus, 
if you get Ephesians chapter 1, he prays for the church at Ephesus. And he says in verse 17 and 18, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Look at someone now, tell them you need the spirit of wisdom. Ah, glory. And revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Listen, when your eyes are open and you understand with the very wisdom of God and you walk in enlightenment, then guess what? You're going to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. You're going to walk in the spirit of long suffering. You're going to put up with folk that don't deserve your goodness. You're going to be kind to people that you really ought to be mean to. You're going to be kind to folk that years ago you would have cussed out. You're going to walk up somebody you would have slapped in the face back in the day. Now you're going to pray for them because you realize that there's something in you that is the hope of glory that's working on the inside and changing everything about you on the outside that now with an unveiled face I can look in the mirror and see the glory of God in my life. I'm not who I used to be. I'm better than that now. I'm not the way I used to be. I don't talk that way now. I don't even think that way now. No, I don't remember what you did to me because what you did to me didn't change me because I'd already been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. People talk about, Reverend, I need you to forgive me for what I said. Well, baby, you've already been forgiven. Well, Reverend, you don't know what I said. That's why y'all know you've been forgiven. I don't even, I, not only do I not know what you said, I don't really care what you said. But if you knew how much I said, I talked about your bad, I talked about you here, I talked about you there, and your point is, the reason you're still standing near me is that you realize that God has something that he's birthing through me into your spirit and you came back to receive it. And as long as you can receive from the vessel, keep on drinking because God is still working on both of us. I may have been wrong. You may have been wrong. I don't care. What I do want to do is to be right with you and with the Lord. I want the nature of God. I want my character changed. I don't want to walk in my own character. I don't want to walk in my own nature. My nature is sinful. My nature is Adamic. My nature is evil. My nature is wicked. When my flesh dwells no good thing, every time I turn around, I've got to put my flesh down at every burn and every place. Romans 7 is correct. There's a war going on inside of my flesh, and I'm putting it under subjection every day. I bring it under subjection so that I can live for the glory of God. People, people of God, you, you need to understand. Um, 
You need the nature of God. God's nature is love. Would you do me a favor? Would you just go hug somebody? Just tell them I love you with the love of the Lord. Just go hug somebody. Find anybody. That's all right. Okay. Okay. I'm trying. I'm going to take this in. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. I need to get your character right because I need you to represent me. Can, can, I, can I tell you this? You can't represent the Lord if all you feel is hatred. You, you, you could represent David Dukes like that. Uh, that used to be one of the grand wizards of the Ku Klux Klan. You can represent that evil man that walked into a synagogue and decided to shoot up 11 people and take lives. You could represent them. See, wherever a lack of love is, there will be a place for hatred. Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 14. I, I, I know my time is nearly gone, but I want to get this one more out. I'm going to stick with character. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, uh, I'm still praying for y'all. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to of the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Look at someone say, neighbor, the inner you be strengthened in the name of Jesus. I speak now to the inner you. Strength, life, peace, love. Glory, 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 glory. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being 
rooted and grounded in love. Ooh, preach wise. Rooted and grounded in love. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things you can be rooted and grounded in. But if it's not love, it's probably going to be sin. Okay. Let me, let me, let me. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay. Don't ever tell me again you need more if you don't want to be filled with the fullness of God, which would be the spirit of love. Ooh. Don't, don't tell me you need more if you don't want to be filled with the fullness of God, which would be the spirit of love. Because see, the fullness of God is love. That's why God could tell Moses, this is who I am. Here are the mercies that I have. Here's my long suffering. Yes, I still gonna take care of sin. I still did that sin, but my love is greater than anything else in the world. I'm functioning on love. I'm living on love. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a word for my people based on love. I told you to bring the tablets up to me because I loved them enough that I wanted to give them my commandments so they could live in love before me. I told you what to do because I love them despite who they are, despite the mistakes they've made, despite the things that they've done wrong. God says I still love them, they're still mine. I don't know about you. I got children. Some of y'all got children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. They ain't always been perfect. But I tell you one thing, it's hard to be a parent and not love them in spite of. You may not agree with them, but I still love you. You may even detest the sin. You may detest the mistake they made, but I still love them. Because see, my love is greater than anything you could do wrong. Because I love you. I know who you are. I know where you came from. You belong to me. And God says about every one of us, I love you with an everlasting love. Despite anything you've been through, despite any dirt you may have gotten on you, any trial you've ever been through, any any tribulation, any tragedy, I still love you and I hold you in the hollow of my hand and my son loves you for greater love had no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. I love you to the cross, to the grave, to the resurrection, to your prayers be prayed into glory. I love you. I love you. I love you. And if you're going to represent him, represent him the way he wants to be represented.
in love. And any other representation is probably not from him. It's from the evil one. Love lifted me. Come on and bless the Lord.